Sam, number three, and perhaps number four, because you love to do a bonus as well. How did you know I was going to do a bonus? Welcome back, everybody. This week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And have we got a lot of stuff to talk about on this bonus episode. We're really, really excited to chat with everyone about what is going on with The Wish and some new announcements out of Disney Cruise Line, some changes to inbound travel testing requirements in the US and what that might mean for cruising. But we are more excited or most excited to start with another listener question. So we had a listener call in, leave us a voicemail for a reminder out there for everyone. We have a voicemail line set up. If you've got questions, if you've got comments, we want to hear from you and we will put them into these shows and answer them live on the air. So as a reminder, our call-in number is 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. You can call us anytime, day or night, because we won't answer and we will let it go to our voicemail and then play it on the air. So with that, let's head over to the voicemail for today. Hey, Sam. Hey, Brian. Jim Mason calling. Hey, you've talked about drinks on Disney Cruise Line before, but what are your top drinks, your favorite drinks? And maybe a little detail on on each, if you would, please. Thanks for all you do. Jim, we love this question because we love the bars and the drinks on board Disney Cruise Line. You know, hashtag we are not huge drinkers, but we do love to have a cocktail before dinner and wine at dinner and that sort of thing. And we do have some favorite specialty cocktails on board. So Sam, why don't we bounce back and forth here and give one of our favorite drinks each. I'm going to start so that you don't steal one of my absolute diehard favorite drinks on board the ship. So I want to start. So I want to go first because I don't want Sam to steal one of my absolute favorite drinks on board, my diehard favorite, the drink that if I could get it every time I would, but I can't because it's only available on two of the ship's And it is only available if you book dining at Remy. And it is the Colette. The Colette cocktail is a pre-dinner drink that's included in your dinner at Remy. You cannot get it anyplace else on board. And believe me, I have tried. I have even asked the bartender at Meridian if he can put one together for me. And he refused and said that it was to protect the integrity of the Remy dining experience. So you have to go to Remy to get it. Spoiler, you can get ingredients for this cocktail and mix them at home, which we did during the pandemic. And I think we actually have a post up on Instagram or somewhere with pictures of our cocktails. We actually purchased the same glasses that they use at Remy. It is a champagne-based cocktail. Uh, Disney Cruise Line uses Tattinger champagne for the cocktail. They use a special Grey Goose vodka that is ever so slightly laced with a white cognac. Now, you cannot, or at least you could not, during the pandemic, purchase this particular Grey Goose VX vodka from anywhere. And so we actually went to a liquor store. They explained how we could basically make our own at home. So we have a a very nice Grey Goose vodka and we have a very nice white cognac. And essentially, it's almost like vermouth in a martini. You kind of just want to lace the vodka with ever so slight hint of the cognac. They also use cassis pearls, Grand Marnier, and dried candied pineapple. So you first add the cassis pearls to the bottom of the glass, which, spoiler, were also very difficult to find. We ended up finding them from a woman in Germany who is a chemist who makes various kinds of flavored sort of pearls to be used in cooking. And she sent us a bunch in exchange for us sharing the (laughs) recipe for the cocktail with her. So you put some cassis pearls in the bottom of a special Riedel champagne glass. You add the liquor in just about equal measures. You pour in the champagne and then they drop in the dried candied pineapple, which is supposed to represent the hint of sweet 
sweetness from Colette in the movie Remy. And so that's what the drink is named after. She's who the drink is named after. So it's an absolute favorite. We sometimes make it at home because they're so delicious. And sometimes we even order a little extra with our Remy dinner. So great cocktail. My absolute favorite on board the cruise line. Sam, what's your first top cocktail on board Disney Cruise Line? This is tough because there's a lot of great drinks on board Disney Cruise Line. I'm going to start with one that's available both at Castaway Key and on all of the currently sailing ships, which is the Banana Caribe. It is a delicious, fruity, blended drink. Um, It is basically a pina colada with banana added in. It's delicious, refreshing, kind of deadly because you don't realize there's quite a bit of rum in it. You can get it with an extra shot in it if you want. You could also get a virgin uh, version of it without the alcohol. It's just quite delicious. I love it. So my number two, you're going to get a sense here. I'm a cocktail person and Sam is much more of a frozen drink person. So I enjoy a good cocktail before dinner. I enjoy wine at dinner. Sam also enjoys some wine at dinner and she does enjoy some mixed cocktails. And I'm also kind of a beer drinker. I like beer. So my next favorite cocktail then is the Paris 75 from Skyline Lounge on board both the Fantasy and the Dream. It's a vodka-based cocktail with some peach schnapps, blue carousel, pineapple juice, a sugared rim, and of course, the glow cue because the drink glows a very bright blue, especially in the darkened Skyline Lounge. So it is a delicious drink. It's a dangerous drink because it's also very good and does not taste very much like alcohol, uh, but it's essentially kind of a martini almost. So uh, it is a very good drink. We love that one on board. I think Sam actually likes that one too. So, all right, I'm going to hand it over to Sam for number two. For my uh, number two drink, we're going to head over to West Coast, Best Coast onto the Disney Wonder and go over to the French Quarter Lounge right outside of Tiana's where we're going to have a New Orleans-style hurricane. Now, you can get these a hurricane on the other ships. In fact, sometimes the hurricane is a drink of the day, but I think it's best had in a New Orleans-style lounge. It's a traditional hurricane. I don't know that they do anything really much differently than it's done in New Orleans, but it's one of my favorite drinks on board. I will say that hurricane looks drastically different than the one you can get at Pat O'Brien's in (laughs) New Orleans, but Sam loves it. Uh, She's had them many a time on the Wonder. You know, look, maybe I'll give a bonus cocktail, but I got to stick with the dream and the fantasy because... You're maybe sensing a theme here. One of my favorite bars on board those ships is Meridian. And they have a gin trolley up in Meridian, which is amazing. Now, they also have a trolley, I will say, in the French Quarter Lounge on the Wonder, but it's a Lillet trolley, which I'll just put in maybe my bonus plug quickly here. They have a Lillet cocktail in the French Quarter Lounge that is fabulous. Lillet is a kind of wine that's it's almost it's like something between a vermouth and a dessert wine kind of thing and it's laced with quinine powder which um they don't actually put that in most of the modern versions of lalay these days that you can buy easily uh but if you're making like a historical cocktail you can buy quinine powder and add it into the cocktail that's called for in drinks like the vesper martini which was made famous in james bond movie a while ago but they have a lalay trolley with a bunch of different lalay wines on it and they make a lalay cocktail and it is fabulous. But my third favorite cocktail is actually going to be a gin and tonic off the gin trolley in Meridian. They serve it in an oversized wine glass for some reason. They actually put some juniper berries into the glass. I think they had some rosemary and they have, you know, some sort of fancy tonic water and all the top shelf gins. Uh, And so it is a favorite of mine. It is a great drink to have out on the deck. 
off of Meridian in the warm Caribbean sun. Uh, love a good gin and tonic from Meridian. So Sam, number three and perhaps number four, because you love to do a bonus as well. How did you know I was going to do a bonus? <laughs> All right. So we're going to head again back to the West Coast and back on the Disney Wonder. As you like to say, West Coast. Best Coast. All right. So we're going to head on back. We're, this time we're not going, though, to the French Quarter Lounge. We're going to the Cadillac Lounge now. And in the Cadillac Lounge, we're going to have one of their signature cocktails. It's called the Pink Cadillac. It's aptly named, obviously. It has Ciroc coconut, watermelon liqueur, and Moet ice, which is one of my favorite champagnes. Um, it is served in, I think, a champagne glass. And it also usually comes with a pink macaron. Spoiler, I actually don't like macaron, so I never eat the macaron. Uh, and generally, Brian eats it. Um, but I, I'm just not a macaron person. But I think it's a fantastic cocktail. But I am going to give a bonus here because over in back on the fantasy or the dream in either Ooh La La or Pink, the two champagne bars on those two ships... Um, there is a wonderful cocktail, a Moe, I think it's a Moe ice cocktail that comes with your choice of popsicle in it. And so you can choose which flavor you want. Uh, I get the strawberry. I, I, I can't remember the other choices, to be perfectly honest, except I think one is raspberry and I don't like raspberry. But anyway, that's another delicious cocktail. But I do want to answer Jim's other question that he posted online. Okay, so the bin is what I often order from when I'm in any of the adult bars. The bin is typically whatever wine or champagne has already been opened by the bar staff because somebody ordered a glass, you know, somebody ordered a, a single glass instead of ordering the bottle, which is course, how most people order wine in a bar, not by the bottle, but by the glass. But it's generally they have not been able to you know, sell the whole bottle. Perhaps it was open the day before or earlier in the day. For champagne, of course, it doesn't last very long open for even with a pressure cap. And for wine, uh, it can last for a few days, you know, open again with a pressure cap. But they do, you know, if they've opened a bottle, there is an incentive for them to sell the rest of that bottle. And so they will often offer at a discounted price. So often about, I think it's maybe $10 a glass the last time we were on. I ask what's in the bin. If there's anything in the bin, they'll tell me what it is, what's available. And if it's something I like, which is often a champagne or a sparkling wine, I will order a glass from the bin. So that's probably my, my my most common drink order in one of the bars is something from the bin. Uh, my most common drink order on the pool deck is, you know, a hurricane, banana carib, or occasionally the captain's Mai Tai. All right. So there you have it, Jim. Thanks for calling in. And again, for everyone out there, call in and we will put your question on the air or your comments on the air and respond to it in real time. So just keep it family friendly. and But otherwise, feel free to call in. We love interacting with our listener community out there. So with that, we're going to shift over to some news of the week. There's been a lot of news these last few weeks coming out of the cruise industry, the travel industry, and Disney. Uh, by no means is our show kind of an up-to-the-date breaking news source. We rely on a lot of other folks to uh, monitor the Disney Cruise Line news out there and are very much consumers of it. We view ourselves more as a storytelling show than anything else. But there were a couple of news stories that caught our attention that we wanted to chat about. I think the first one is really related just to the travel industry, which this past week, the CDC announced that it would be dropping its 
pre-testing requirement for entry to the U.S. by air. We obviously have not had border testing requirements for land or sea at this point. It's just been by air. A lot of European countries have already dropped their requirements for entry. And so this is seen as kind of a move to align into those. It was really pushed for by the U.S. hospitality industry who you were pointing out that folks were nervous to travel to Europe because they were afraid that they would get stuck and not be able to come home. Uh, and also, I think, to bolster inbound travel into the U.S. for hospitality. It says no immediate impact on cruising. I've seen lots of speculation back and forth online that you know it could eventually impact cruising. I think, I think that's right. I know that the cruise industry was a proponent of dropping this, although primarily because they wanted U.S. travelers to go over to Europe and get on their ships this summer. So I don't think that they've been pushing for this from a U.S. perspective or U.S. sailing perspective. And, you know, for a couple of reasons, that makes sense. As someone reminded me online, a lot of ports in the Caribbean, you know, are still requiring or still have requirements on the cruise lines around who can disembark the ship at port and whether they've been tested and those sorts of issues. So until the international ports that the cruise industry sails to out of Florida, to start to relax their requirements, really the only doors available are, I think, in some ports in Mexico and things like that. So, you know, the cruise industry is going to want to continue to sail to some of these Caribbean ports that they have been prevented from sailing from for many, many months. And so, you know, I don't see them dropping the testing requirement for that reason. Additionally, I'm not sure that the cruise industry is interested in ramifications of dropping that testing requirement. Sure, it will bring potentially more passengers on board. But if you look at the CDC color code status right now, 84 ships are in the orange, meaning they're under investigation by the CDC for COVID-related illness on board that meets their threshold for investigation. I think two ships are in yellow and two ships are in green. And P.S., none of those are Disney cruise ships. And the magic isn't actually on the list right now because it's over in Europe. So it's outside the jurisdiction of the, the CDC currently. So for all those reasons, I'm not sure that we will see this requirement go away anytime soon. Uh, it's certainly possible, but it just seems unlikely. I don't know, Sam. I, I guess it gives us some comfort for our travel over to London this September. And you know, perhaps one other thing I would say is, even if they relax the pre-cruise testing requirements on board, if you get sick and test positive on a cruise ship, that life does not change. Like they are not going to stop testing on board for COVID if you present with those kinds of symptoms. There is no indication that they will stop quarantining you. And nothing about the CDC's announcement suddenly makes it okay for you to get on a domestic airline with a positive COVID test. So life doesn't change that much. It just increases the risk on board the ships I think, if you drop all of the testing. Yeah. And actually, it doesn't change international either, right? If you have a positive test, you're probably, by another country's rules, not supposed to get on an airplane to come home. Even if you're allowed to be home, you're probably not supposed to be on that um, airplane. But I, I, I do think it does bring some comfort in the planning for folks like us who are going over to Europe to cruise, just because now you don't have to worry about arranging your own test before you fly home to the United States, uh, particularly for folks who are you know, getting right off the ship, heading to the airport and flying home. It's just another layer of planning that you have to make sure you've got um, or, you know, arrange through the cruise line to test on board and have a test. So it is helpful for American cruisers uh, cruising abroad. It is helpful for folks who are coming from other countries to the United States to get on a cruise, although they still will have to test for the cruise. Um, the timing might be a little bit easier or they can perhaps wait to test until they get to the port. So it, it does have some impact. You're right. It's not a direct impact on cruising per se, but it has some trickle down impacts on cruising. <laughs> 
right, we're taking a quick pause here and excited to welcome a new show sponsor to our show. He's going to be sponsoring our bonus episodes, at least for the next couple of months, and that is Blisslets. And so if you've not heard of Blisslets before, first, you're probably going to be seeing them on board the Disney ships here pretty soon and being sold in the Disney stores. They are a fabulous alternative to C-Band. So Sam got a chance to check them out on our last cruise. They were kind enough to send her a couple of pairs to try out. Sam suffers from some seasickness and motion sickness at times and has used C-Bands in the past to try and alleviate that. And so she decided to give these blisslets a try. The two things Sam loved most about her blisslets were, one, they're a much more stylish alternative to the traditional C-Bands, but two, they also were better constructed. Uh, She said that she felt like they would hold up a lot better to the wear and tear on board than uh, the C-bands would. So she really liked them. They had a lot of great styles, even have some in leather. Uh, And so really, really nice product that she enjoyed. And she can't wait to try them out again on our cruise coming up here soon. So if you are a traditional C-bands user, but you're looking for something that's just maybe a little bit nicer to wear on board the ship, then head over to blisslets.com and check them out. We highly recommend them. And Sam has really enjoyed the product so far. So head over there, check them out. And thanks to Blisslets for sponsoring this bonus show. Next story up is The Wish was handed over to Disney officially this week in Bremerhaven, I think it it was, Uh, but she is on her way to the U.S. and will make her way to Port Canaveral. Disney has also announced or gotten approval through some documents that came out from Port Canaveral for all of the Disney Wish events that are to come. So we know that she is due to arrive in Port Canaveral Cruise Terminal 8 and 10 on Monday, June 20th. That will be her first arrival into Port Canaveral. So that puts it at about an 11-day crossing. Uh, Disney has requested some, or I guess there's some details around the event and the documents we saw from the port. Media outlets and cast members will have access to the cruise terminal. There will be filming and drone footage from the park, special effects and fireboats and tugs escorting with a water salute as she comes into port for the first time. Uh, You can see what this would look like. Uh, The port recently posted for the Dream's departure from Port Canaveral and heading down to Miami now as a home port what the dream festivities looked like when she first came into Port Canaveral. And so expect something similar there. And of course, if you're in and around Port Canaveral, you can probably catch some of this from Jetty Park and those sorts of locations. On June 29th, they will have the christening ceremony at Cruise Terminal 8. Of course, that is not open to the public. That is invitation only. Dear Disney, I'm not sure I saw our invite in the mail. (laughs) But again, they will have lots of ceremony for the christening of the cruise. I was sort of kind of flabbergasted that the christening doesn't happen on the maiden voyage because I wanted to see that. But It is what it is. And then the maiden voyage, of course, will be on the 14th, where we are expected to get a water salute on our way out of port on the first passenger sailing or the first paying passenger sailing, I should say. Um, We do know that there are several, as is always the case, shakedown cruises and cast member preview cruises and things like that that will happen between the wishes arrival after her crossing and the maiden voyage. Ultimately, we also know, of course, there will be media cruises, Good Morning America cruise, travel agent invitation cruises, those sorts of things. So, um, I did want to say for our listeners out there, expect to hear a lot coming out from The Wish in the next several weeks, including from our own show. As you start to hear content from the influencers out there in the community, just, you know, I always like to remind people, know your source, know that a lot of these people have been on The Wish for the first time without paying for it. And so that can very much influence opinion and also uh, influencers out there get invited on these cruises. The expectation in some quarters is that, you know, they say positive things about the ship and mute their negative comments. And if they want to be invited back for ship number six, uh, you know, they have to keep 
that kind of pressure in mind a little bit. So look, just know your sources. Uh, it's why we, for instance, when it came to the Star Cruiser, very much paid attention to Lintesta's opinion about the Star Cruiser because he paid to go on for touring plans, which again is a sponsor of our show. Uh, but we wanted to very much hear what the crowd was saying, who went on, who had to pay for the experience as opposed to who got invited for free to preview the experience. Just be aware of that as you start to hear some of the stuff come out. I fully anticipate the Wish is going to be a fabulous experience for all. But as we like to say here, we want to give you our honest opinions and our honest feedback. And so we hope to do that off the maiden voyage and the DVC sailing. And so hope our opinions are also valuable to you out there as these early opinions start to come out. But Sam, pre-wish activities, we're going to be watching online or I don't know if this stuff is available. We'll have to find out. Yeah, I, I bet there will be some folks live streaming. I wonder if Disney, the Disney Parks blog or one of the other Disney sources will be, you know, live streaming some of these things on the internet. I'm guessing so, but they haven't given too much information. So we'll have to keep watching for that. As Brian said, there's going to be influencers and, and, you know, cast members and whatnot on board ahead of the Maiden. And we're hoping to have some folks to talk about that ahead of the Maiden, but we will wait and see. Yeah. And any real coverage we understand from talking to a few folks is embargoed until the 29th. So there will be folks sailing on board ahead of the 29th, but they are not supposed to share their experiences off of the ship until the 29th. So stay tuned for more there. We're, we're trying to see if we can't get some folks on. Last big piece of news. Uh, I think it's a big piece of news for Disney Cruise Line, certainly in the state of the world today. It's not a big piece of news at all. But uh, for Disney Cruise Line is that they have relaxed their dress code policy for both Palo and Remy. So state of affairs leading up to earlier this week, and it's for sailings, I think happening starting June 10th. So that would have been, was that yesterday, Sam? Yeah. So, so it's for sailings starting on June 10th. The policy before was that men needed to wear dress slacks or dressy jeans, no rips, no tears. Uh, they couldn't wear athletic shoes and they needed to have a collared shirt. That was essentially the, the Palo dress code. Yeah, no shorts. Sam is reminding me, but that's pants. <laughs> pants is the, the minimum across the board for these two restaurants or dressy jeans uh, and a collared shirt and shoes. Remy required a coat, no tie for any meals there. Um, I don't remember how they described the women's dress code, Sam. I think they described it as something like cocktail attire kind of a thing. Dresses or, or pants. Um, no flip-flops was clear for both men and women. I think they said no sandals, but I never saw that enforced because a lot of women's shoes are sandal type style shoes. I mean, basically, they were saying no like rubber soled shoes for men, although I didn't see that uh, widely enforced. And in Polo, they never really enforced the no shorts as long as they were nice khaki shorts. You could you could wear them. But in Remy, it was strictly pants and uh, and coats you had to be wearing. I think they did enforce the shorts in Palo at least for dinner. They may not have. They may have been more relaxed at brunch. Uh, but I, I have heard from more than one person who's been turned away from both of these restaurants and asked to either go back to their stateroom and change or been provided some article of clothing by the restaurant to wear. We've heard about shoes. We've heard about pants. We certainly heard about coats. If someone didn't have a coat, they would put them in a loner jacket for their for their meal. The new dress code, however, is essentially what I would call smart casual. It's like polished casual, is I think how they described it, or something like that. Which they, you know, generally have articulated, I think, as you know, pants, nice jeans. Again, I think no no rips and tears. They've relaxed a bit on the shoes, I think, probably in line with the fact that, look, a lot of men's shoes that are dressy looking still can have rubber 
soles. So think about, you know, a loafer, a men's driving loafer or something like that, or a penny loafer sometimes has rubber soles these days. Collared shirts still required, but that's the end of it. So for Remy, no coat required any longer. I don't know how welcome or controversial this change will be. Sam, what do you think? So I think I think there's an age divide here. From what I've seen online, older cruisers seem to be on the whole a little bit unhappy with this change uh, because they think it kind of will cheapen the experience to some degree. And I think younger cruisers, and I'm going to put ourselves in that younger cruiser category, even though we're in our 40s, are mostly welcoming this because it's sort of more aligning with what's going on at home. Uh, As long as if you're going to a nice restaurant and you can afford to eat at a nice restaurant and you're dressed nicely, it shouldn't matter whether you're wearing a coat, a tie. I understand they don't want you wearing, um, you know, ratty old shoes. But if you're wearing a nice pair of sandals, men's or women's, um, there's really no reason why you shouldn't be able to go in and and have a nice dinner experience. So I think it is aligning more with what's going on on land. I'm certainly uh, not opposed to it. I probably it's not going to change the way I dress for either Palo or Remy, which is typically I'm I'm wearing a dress sort of casual to cocktail dress, depending on if it's brunch or dinner, and a pair of sandal shoes, usually with either a tiny heel or flats. So yeah, it's not going to change me. I think the only thing is going to change for us is your packing. I I think you'll just leave the jacket at home, but I I don't see really any other difference in in your outfits. I mean, you were already wearing what I'll call, what they're calling lifestyle shoes, which is a nicer sneaker or shoe uh, that is for... Uh, not meant for sports. It is meant for this exact experience going out to dinner, but it has a rubber sole. Yeah, it's funny because I was actually trying on my suit the other day for our trip on the Wish because I, I, I don't wear a suit except when we cruise really or if we're vacationing someplace and we know we're going to be eating at a restaurant that requires a jacket uh, I'll pack my suit along but in my day-to-day work I very much work I work at a technology company and so it's very much a much more casual and relaxed dress code around our campus including our executives no no one really wears coats and ties except maybe some folks dealing with the government I suppose but so yeah look I welcome this change because Sam and I have eaten in many fine dining restaurants globally, including in New York and London. I mean, we're talking three Michelin-starred restaurants where the dress code pretty much aligns to what Disney has announced. And I personally have never understood the idea that somehow it enhances my meal to be dressed up. Uh, If I think about the service industry philosophy, it's very much that they don't want to interfere with your food. They don't wear fragrances. They don't have crazy hairstyles like at these high-end restaurants. They wear very bland uniforms. Like They want to do nothing that interferes with the presentation, smell, or taste of the food. And so I look at that and go, so why is it that I have to wear a coat? Like I should be comfortable. I'm the one paying for the experience. Now, I do agree to some extent. I don't want to see people wandering in and like bathing suits and flip-flops and t-shirts like that. Like I do think what's happened here is the standard for dressiness has reduced uh, in our culture, uh, especially as Sam said, for kind of the younger crowd. And so what they view as designer and fashion is very different from what perhaps even I viewed it as, you know, several years ago. So I, I welcome the change. I do agree with Sam. It reduces the the burden on packing uh, because, you know, now I can bring some slacks and some shirts and be comfortable at any of the dining restaurants. Um, we have not really gotten dressed up for dinner at any of the restaurants. I mean, dressy to the you know level of wearing a suit for quite a while on board Disney Cruise Line. Um, it just, it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really jive with how we want a vacation, especially I'll say this in the Caribbean. 
I do not want to wear a coat and tie while trying to have a meal in the Caribbean. Like it's just, it's hot. It's too hot to be that dressed up for those kinds of, uh, those kinds of meals in my opinion. So I think we welcome this change. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up there. That is the big news from us uh, for the last week and great to answer listener questions. Uh, Unless Sam, did you have anything you wanted to close out the show with before we move on? No, except I'm just really excited. It's about our cruise on the Wish is about a month away. Yeah, coverage is starting soon, so stay tuned for more. But thanks for listening this week, and we'll see you next time. See you real soon. Well, thanks as always for listening to our bonus episode this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have uh, suggestions for bonus content that we could put out, hey, let us know. Questions, people you'd like us to talk to, that sort of thing. We're always open to show suggestions, so just let us know. So with that, just thanks to everyone out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews. We love reading the reviews from our listeners and connecting with you in that way, and we love reading them on the main show each week. So head over, leave us those five-star reviews. We've got a few left to read, but we'll run out quickly, so don't miss your chance. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo blog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can browse over to youtube.com slash dclduo to see some of the videos we put up from our vacations. And if you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash dclduo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to defray the cost of this show each and every month. You can also support the show by browsing to touringplans.com slash travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just let them know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney Cruise or Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.